Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for the first four episodes of the upcoming Disney Plus series, Andor. That's what a reckoning sounds like. Hello, I'm Kevin. If you're joining us for the first time, we are Geek Centric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things geek centric. Joining me for today's review, they're not quite spies, saboteurs, or assassins, but they've all done wonderful things on behalf of the Geekiverse. And today, we've all chosen a side in working against the dark. Nate, Darcy, our Star Wars experts, our usuals. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, how are we doing uh, ahead of this Pretty big review here. It was, uh, you know, quite the uh, quite the debut for Disney Plus to drop this many episodes as a premiere for us. Yeah, I mean, I think many Bothans died getting these episodes uh, to us. Uh, that's a deep cut Mon Mothma reference for all our wonderful reference. Hey, there you go. Um, yeah, man, I'm stoked. I, you know, I think it at once. You once. Obviously, we're going to say spoiler free, but I think once everyone sees these three episodes, they'll kind of understand, uh, and even maybe even more so once the fourth episode is out, you know, why these three were released together. Because um, I think they, they really do fit together in a nice uh, little little intro arc. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, the three definitely uh, went down much better as a one, two, three uh, consumer wise. So. Uh, other than that, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about this very different show. is a, a definitely much different tone than what we've got with uh, the recent live-action Star Wars stuff. Oh, one, 100%, and I think uh, that'll probably be a lot of what we talk about today. Uh, but just before we get uh, a bit deeper into things here, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we'll be sharing our spoiler-free thoughts on the live-action Star Wars series Andor, which premieres on Disney Plus on September 21st. So uh, very soon after probably you're listening to this very podcast, it'll be doing so with a three-episode premiere. Uh, we actually got to see the first four episodes, but again, don't worry, we're not going to get into anything that you won't have a chance to see on the date of the premiere, because again, it's spoiler free. Uh, but a huge, huge thanks to our friends over at Disney Plus Canada for letting us check out uh, these episodes ahead of its release. Uh, in case you don't know, Andor is a spy thriller from Lucasfilm, filmed over two 12-episode seasons, which takes place roughly five years before the events of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Uh, the era featured in Andor is filled with danger, deception, and intrigue, where Cassian will embark on the path that is destined to turn him into a rebel hero. Andor presents Star Wars from a different perspective, focusing on everyday people whose lives are affected by the Empire. The decisions they make have real consequences, and the stakes for them and the galaxy couldn't be higher. The series stars Diego Luna, Adria Arjona, Genevieve O'Reilly, Stellan Skarsgård, Denise Goff, Kyle Soler, and Fiona Shaw. Uh, the show is directed by uh, Benjamin Caron, who's directed episodes of The Crown and Sherlock, by Toby Harns, who's directed episodes of Black Mirror and Sherlock, and Susanna White, who's directed episodes of, you guessed it, nothing, because this is her directorial debut. <laughs> 
Uh, the show was created by and primarily written by Tony Gilroy, who, of course, wrote Rogue One. And much like Rogue One, this show has such a unique feel within the world of Star Wars, uh, especially compared to any of the previous Star Wars uh, shows we've seen on Disney Plus so far. So let's just sort of get right in. I think, uh, you know, it being so different is one of the things that makes it stand or just that really worked for me as a viewer. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I think I think Star Wars hasn't really dived into the concepts around um, good and evil on both sides. And I, I think that's what I loved about Rogue One, um, and it kind of touched upon that, and I think this series is obviously emphasizing that. Um, and I, I think it's it's interesting. The, the first uh, three episodes, I will say the... The pacing is also very different for what we're used to with these Star Wars live action series. But again, I think the the biggest thing that I, I needed to kind of remind myself as I was going through these episodes was we have 12 of them. And not only that, but we have another 12 on the way. So for me, I as much as I started to sort of I, I was put off a little bit by the pacing. It sort of uh, got, you know, as soon as I finished that third episode, I was like, oh, no, no, no. I see what they're doing here. And I, I feel like it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be worth it in the end because honestly, you know, I remember during when we were watching uh, Boba Fett, and I kept saying during our watch club for 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 Boba Fett, like, dude, I I want uh, I, I want the Game of Thronesification of Star Wars, and th- well, I don't think this is as um, explicit <laughs> as Game of Thrones. I feel like this is as close as we've ever gotten, uh, and I'm really happy for it. Yeah, it's definitely a slow burn of a show, uh, but I totally agree with you in that Games of Thrones scale or style with its political intrigue that we'll be following throughout the the course of this story. And I am really excited to see what type of story we're going to get, because again, those first three episodes set up nicely for what uh, what is to come in the season. And uh, again, it's so unique and so different than what we've already seen in the Star Wars universe. So I can only say positive things about that. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's just it's it's refreshingly different. But you do need to just sort of be patient with it. I think if you can set aside two hours and watch all three episodes mm-hmm. as an Definitely. event, like they've like they've planned it out. I didn't quite do that mm-hmm. uh, the first time I watched them, and so it did sort of take a long time for me to get into it. And I almost didn't completely just go okay i am down mm-hmm. until the the last sort of chunk of the third episode where it was fine like it really you really figure out what they're going to try and do with this and you sort of get the essence of what the story's going to be and so yeah if you can sit down carve out like you're watching a movie and watch all three it'll it slow builds right into like holy cow all of a sudden i want more and I was so glad we got that fourth episode. We won't talk too much about that, right? Because we want to focus on what the our viewers are going to be able to see on that on that big uh, premiere day. But once episode four gets going, then it really hits into warp drive, and we're we're off and running with with what the show is going to be about. And honestly, it's I'm super excited. It seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, it's such a great job of really introducing, just reintroducing us. I think to the Cassian character, um, and and they do a great job there. It's really refreshing, and I think it's a, a testament to Diego Luna that like he doesn't skip a beat. Like we are right back there with the Cassian that we knew from Rogue One, um, and it's 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 intriguing because I think 
you know, uh, we'll obviously get to see his journey from where he is at the beginning of this series to Rogue One. Um, but to kind of see that he's he's a lot of it still the same. Like he, he, you know, he's still very much that hardened, you know, spy on on the the rebellion side. I think you know Tony Gilroy's writing um, is what's really kind of propelling this story forward and really um, giving us that that fresh aspect. Um, there's an article on IGN. Shout out to Ryan Leston who wrote an article uh, where he actually commented and and. Um, Apparently, Andor's showrunner, Tony Gilroy, uh, said that he wasn't too bothered about pleasing the fans. And I think that is another aspect about this that is refreshing. Are there Easter eggs? Yes. If you look hard enough, there absolutely are little tiny, teeny baby Easter eggs out there. But for the most part, this is very much Star Wars that doesn't feel like Star Wars. And in a weird way, I'm very happy about that as a Star Wars fan, which sounds crazy. These are the the kinds of Easter eggs that you find like four years later behind the couch. There's, they were <laughs> yes. so they're so well hidden that nobody yeah. found them during the hunt, <laughs> and you just sort of stumble upon them later. But no, uh, there's definitely there. This is unquestionably Star Wars, but this isn't Skywalker uh, saga just shoveling down your throat here. This is very much sort of carving out its own little piece of this galaxy and telling a very different story from a di very different perspective. And I think that's going to make the show stronger in the long run because it's not relying on anything that we're overly familiar with. I think that'll keep us guessing a lot more. Uh, and, and yeah, again, anytime there's a prequel, I'm a little hesitant to to sort of to get into that but I think this is this is just such a fresh story that doesn't necessarily connect to 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 a whole lot right now that that'll be enough of an intrigue for me to really be invested in everything going on for sure uh I also like a lot of people on the internet too I have a problem or or very vocal about you know their trepidation with this prequel story because they know how the story is going to end with Rogue One and then the rest of the Skywalker saga but like I said this is such a refreshing take and I think it's Strength really uh, comes to show in the fact that they are able to introduce characters that you immediately want to know their story. And because they are are so like grass, like uh, enthralling right off the bat, that I think really helps you want to know what, how or where this these characters stand by the events of Rogue One. So I think that's my where my investment is coming for, uh, from more now is who are these characters and how are they going to impact the rebellion going forward i'm right there with you darcy i think a lot of folks who are maybe saying those that you know have that sort of feeling uh online are probably looking at this as just the title character of andor but you're absolutely right there's so many more incredible characters uh both original characters and uh you know a, a, like a returning character a couple returning characters in this series um that are are absolutely phenomenal and i i'm i'm so excited to learn more uh, about them, and I think the cast is 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 thoroughly impressive. I think there's not a single moment with any of these characters, at least these main characters, that I sort of felt like, oh, I kind of wish they were portrayed by someone else, or I feel like they didn't quite hit what they were supposed to hit in that scene. Everyone is is really doing a phenomenal job, and I think you know a standout for me uh, would be Kyle Soler. I think is fantastic in this series uh, as Cyril Karn. He's um, he's very much a you know he's a he's a a tight knit, uh, you know, security guard kind of character or, or officer, and uh, and he's very he he wants to do the best job he possibly can 
it just sucks that he's working for a fascist regime, but he he's the hero of his own story. And so, you know, I love that we get to see him, but we also get to see moments where because he is so strict and he is so serious, we get to see past his facade and we get to see the fear start to like come into this guy where we're just like, oh my gosh, like I actually feel bad for this this enemy which again in Star Wars is not something we get to do too often especially for lower level imperial forces and I think that's part of what has me so excited we have a very similar character in um, Denise Goff's character who is introduced uh, in episode four um, and she is again very similar situation where we get to see kind of into the recesses of her mind and understand where she's coming from and what she'll do to kind of raise her own ranks um especially for her being surrounded by by men um it's it's just it's a really intriguing aspect to what they're bringing to star wars and yeah man i'm i'm so excited again to learn more about these characters that i had no idea existed but are clearly going to be crucial to this uh this conflict yeah once you get over the fact that kyle solar is not in fact uh, the actor who plays Ramsey Bolton. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> he does look like uh, him. Yeah, and especially because there are a few um, smaller characters from Game of Thrones that that do have roles in the show as well. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, I think you're absolutely right. He's such he plays such an interesting type of villain in that we're kind of used to the bad guys in Star Wars just having this bravado and this confidence and this overwhelming just just straight. Uh, you know they know what they want and they're going to get it and they never show fear at any times and he is he is very much the complete opposite of that almost his his ambition uh, reaches far beyond his abilities and his uh, confidence in confronting certain situations and so it is a really really uh, new fresh take on that antagonist character in this universe and I mean in these in these first four episodes I'm already getting the sense. Um, that you know, they, they're unlike Game of Thrones. Like, I, it's funny. I <laughs> I know we keep bringing up Game of Thrones, but I introduced my dad to Game of Thrones recently, and he's binged. He's almost done now. He binged like the whole thing in like uh, two weeks or less. <laughs> and so he's been. But he he'll often stop me and be like, "Oh, I'm so glad that character died. I hated that character. I hate I hated them." And he's just really upset and mad. <laughs> and and I I feel like. This series is already giving me the sense that we're not going to have that with these villains. And I think that's what is so refreshing and exciting is that we aren't going to necessarily hate anyone. We're going to understand where they're coming from. And I think the true conflict uh, or sorry, the true uh, antagonist of this will be the conflict. I think the the war itself is going to end up being what is technically our big bad. I do think we are going to get maybe like one overall baddie that we just maybe are like, okay, I really don't care for that guy or or girl or whoever. But I, I do think that the emphasis of this story is to say, no, 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 the war of Star Wars, which we're finally really getting to see, uh, is the main villain. That's a, that's a really awesome way, actually, of, of looking at uh, everything that's going on. Uh, I will say another thing for me that stood out, uh, and Nate, this is usually, uh, I know your bag here, you you love to generally talk about the music. Mm. Uh, And I'm finding what it's doing, it's doing something very similar that is happening over in um, the Rings of Power show. Yes. In that it keeps teasing all of these familiar themes, 
And so it'll play like one or two note and you think you know where it's going and then it completely goes in a different direction mm-hmm. and it it almost leaves you wanting for those themes that you're so familiar with, but it's almost refreshing and it's really neat and it's it's just a really cool way of showing us that while we're back to where we we you know we want to think we're comfortable and we we want to feel familiar this is totally new territory and i think that's such a a cool way to use music to show that well just on the topic of that too i think you're mentioning how they keep playing these pieces of the theme kind of plays into what this show seems to be about and about all these fragments of and pockets of resistance across the galaxy that will eventually band together and become the rebellion and i think that's why they're doing that with this music is that we're seeing the the, the very foundation of what we know as the rebellion come episode four so i I think it's really cool that that's they're doing that even on the level of the music so again kudos to that yeah the theme song of this series changes uh with each intro um which is super intriguing and i think you know shout out to to uh is it nicholas Bratel? yeah nicholas Bratel, who you might know from uh, he did the music for winning time uh he's done the music for succession uh, and so I think t- you're absolutely right, Darcy, like this, the, the music is as varied as the characters that we're seeing on screen. And I think that's just a little sort of, again, I love when, when the music can help to inform the narrative and, and in a subtle way, kind of in the back of your mind, you're just like, oh, wow, okay, this is not what I expected to hear in this moment, because this is also not what you expected to see from Star Wars. And I think that's so dope. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this stuff. <laughs> And now, from from a visual perspective as well, I find I I don't want to say that previous Disney Plus shows have have looked cheap. It's that's certainly not what I mean. But they haven't quite looked, you know, up to a movie standard that we you know that you'd almost come to expect. And and here, I don't know if it is because we're so much on the ground level that they're able to to get away with things a bit more. But I don't know. This just the the first four episodes that we've seen though it. It looks like a movie, in my opinion. It looks like we're back in Rogue One, right back into that world. It's just, it's amazing how they've been able to carry that over to the TV side more successfully than almost any Disney Plus show I've ever seen. Absolutely. I think, I think, like, obviously the volume has done so much. Uh, for for TV and for filmmaking, uh, and it's it's a huge accomplishment from Lucasfilm. But at the same time. You can see the difference between scenes, you know, from The Mandalorian and from, you know, Obi-Wan and things like that that were done on the volume in comparison to, you know, actual hills in Scotland or wherever they're, they're filming this, right? Like, you can, you can absolutely tell when things are that tangible. And I think it's, it's going to be an interesting thing going forward with Star Wars to see where they do use the volume and where they, they do shoot on location because I think... You're absolutely right. I think the visuals and the look of this show are just as grounded as its narrative. And I think that's really important. I think it's honestly, it's going to kind of give Star Wars fans a taste of of like, oh, this is like the movies again. This is like what Rogue One looked like. I kind of feel like that's all I want from Star Wars going forward. And and then, you know, use the use the volume for certain instances, but not as your sort of, you know, main crutch if you will uh when making these projects because honestly dude this looks you're absolutely right it looks so gorgeous and i think that's the same issue that has been going on in star wars since uh you know the phantom menace in that it it just helps an actor so much when you're in a physical environment uh like that to to just 
get more into your you know the performance that you're giving and i know um you know that the advancements in all of those technologies have come a long way in you know the 23 years or whatever since phantom menace but it's i think it's still is so much better for an actor in their performance to be standing exactly where their character is supposed to be standing. It just, I think it helps immensely. I almost feel like they, they decided to like, because they were going so different with the tone and the, the look and the characters and the story of this whole series, they're like, we'll give you something that you're familiar with. And that's the look of these, this, these practical sets and these practical effects so that you can really feel like this world is lived in by these people across the galaxy. So I, I feel like that was almost intentional because, again, they're going so different in so many ways that giving us those practical effects to just ground us in what we know and love already, I think it goes a long way for opening the door to get into this really meaty story. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of moments as a Star Wars fan that you're going to be watching this if you're a, already a Star Wars fan. Um which, uh, by the way, I don't think you need to be a Star Wars fan to watch this show. I think that's another plus there. But for, for hardcore Star Wars fans that are watching this show, you're going to feel a bit of a drought of Star Wars-isms in, in watching this. But there's, there's a, there, at least within these first uh, four episodes, there is one moment where something just happens. It's, like hap- it's not even a, a long you know, experience that you're just like... Wow. Like, okay, you feel it. You feel it so much more because, you know, I guess it's like what distance makes the heart grow fonder. It kind of feels like that in Absence, that moment. Yeah. 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 And just, just the sound of it is enough to, to oh, bring tingles. So good. A hundred percent. Can't wait. hundred percent. Now we did, we did touch on um, some of the uh, acting performances that we've gotten here, but there are so many great ones. And I mean, obviously Diego Luna is so good in this role that they've, They've brought him back to, to give him his own show. Yeah. So I think that goes without saying. But I think, you know, what works in Star Wars is is kind of working with relative unknowns just because that makes it feel that much more alien, that much more exotic. But it does help to have sort of that familiar grounding aspect every once in a while. And I think Stellan Skarsgård is absolutely Dude. that here. And, you know... Uh, his character just—I think we've only—we've only just seen the surface of of what what he can do with this character. I think it's going to be like one of the most interesting characters we've seen in Star Wars in a long time. Yeah, uh, I yeah love his performance. I can't wait to know know more about it. And it seems like such a unique role to the Star Wars universe that again is very different. And only I think they knew who they were casting uh, or looking for when they were writing this role. And he's he's bringing it to life perfectly. And I would say the same thing for for Genevieve O'Reilly. I mean, she's been Mon Mothma for now, you know, over 17 years. But she is, she's she's so, she is Mon Mothma. She's so intrinsically that character. And she does such a, a phenomenal job with her. Um, and I'm so excited to kind of see, you know, before the the rebel leader. I'm so excited to see that part of her journey and that's that story of her, you know, under the eye of of Emperor Palpatine, if you will, you know it, it's funny we we look at these characters and you know a lot of them are living in dangerous situations or in very dangerous environments, but you would never think that one of the most dangerous places um, or the or the one who is in most danger is you know a senator that is living in a you know a, a ritzy apartment building, if you will, right? So to to sort of see again you're not even you're not only just seeing both sides of this conflict you're seeing many different classes of people who are dealing with it as well and i think that's another 
added layer to this story that does just kind of make it a lot more deep um, to the point where like we have a watch club coming up and I had to like completely restructure how we talk about this show, but just based off the fact that it isn't as simple as previous Star Wars stories. And I don't mean to like, I, I don't mean to put those down in any way. I'm not throwing any sort of shade towards the incredible stories that we've gotten from the previous series, but it's, it's just the way they're written is, is way more complex and, and is, is sort of, uh, ebbing and flowing in in all different directions, all, kind of overlapping each other, um, which is again different from the from the narratives we've gotten. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that it's it's a, it's Star Wars for adults. Uh, Star Wars is for everybody, but I do think that this this show, not necessarily because of lewd or crude or violent content, but I think this show will be a bit more mature than than what we're used to seeing in Star Wars. Obviously, as critics and, and uh, when we're reviewing this stuff, I try to like think of it on all angles, right? I, I, do, I do admit to like what my own personal opinions are, but I also try to think of like, cool, the parents that are coming into this show with the kids who, you know, oh, they love baby Grogu and they love the Mandalorian and they love, you know, when, you know, all the, all the fun stuff of Star Wars. And this show is, I don't really think kids are going to enjoy it that much. I think they might be bored by it. I think it might eventually get to a place where some things happen that are going to be really fun for kids to watch, but for the most part, I I kind of I kind of do think this is Star Wars for adults and I think that's okay. I think we have we have so much Star Wars coming out. And we have so many different places that Star Wars is hitting and in, in, in so many different ways. I think it's okay. I think kids have their Star Wars still and there's not going to be any sort of um there's still going to be a ton of content for kids to enjoy. Um, we'll have this. Uh, no, I, I, I definitely agree with you there. And I think, you know, there is stuff already that is that is a little, that skews a bit younger. Um, and so that uh, because of, th- this doesn't play a huge role in the overarching story that we already know of Star Wars, especially in that the, the world of the Skywalker um, saga. And so I think this can be its own little story that fits in there, but it's not essential viewing. And so... If it isn't your cup of tea, you're not you're not not going to understand things that happen around it in the bigger story. So I think that's a really neat way for them going forward to be able to try something different like this show, where if it if it can fit into its own pocket and just stand alone, like you said, Nate, you don't I don't know if you uh, would need to watch any other Star Wars to sort of understand what's happening specifically in this show with these characters. I think they've done a really great job in setting it you know, apart and on its own. And so that's, that's a really neat thing. It's a difficult thing. I, I can, I can only imagine, but I think that's really cool. And that allows them to be a bit more lenient with what we, we sort of have come to expect from Star Wars stories. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is Star Wars for George Lucas because it is focusing <laughs> heavily on the politics, yeah. which he always he wants to tell, <laughs> but because he's, he's appealing to a broad audience, he has to kind of trim the fat. Not everyone wants that politic, uh, political thriller or political intrigue aspect to his movies. So this show is really leaning into that aspect. And I think, yeah, again, for adults and that's fine because kids have so many cartoons and people 
they can watch the movies and stuff like that. There's Skywalker sagas for, sagas for kids. There could be Star Wars outside of that for just adults, and I love. I it. love that. I love the idea that he's made Star Wars for kids. He's gone on the record saying Star Wars is for kids. I made it for kids, and now someone's out there being like, "Well, George, now we're going to make this for you, okay? <laughs> now we're going to yeah." He loves his politics. Come on, and, and the politics <laughs> stuff, and he's going to love everything from uh, from Genevieve. I think he's going to be smitten with uh, with Mon Mothma scenes. Well, and in, and in three episodes, they've done politics in Star Wars better than he did over three movies. Oh, no! Uh-huh. I didn't say it. Oh, no, is that too it. harsh? Oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> now, you know, speaking of, you know, setting itself apart from, from normal Star Wars, uh, I don't think Jedi are going to be present in this story whatsoever. And yet, the Force is still strong with this one. I think, I think uh, uh, our listeners probably are getting the sense that we've really enjoyed what we've seen here. However, was there anything that didn't quite work for you, Nate. I know you mentioned the pacing, but it almost sounds like by episode three, the show did resolve that. Was there anything, guys, that didn't quite work for you yet that you're maybe hoping will improve as the show goes on? I, I, I guess the only thing that I can possibly think of is, is again, as refreshing as it is to, to stay away from the Star Wars um, tropes, if you will, it 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 will be nice to sort of I can't wait to see a stormtrooper on screen. You know what I mean? Like I can't wait to 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 get those little nuggets, those little those little moments um, mixed in with the intriguing political grounded characters that we have in this series. I think that's going to be. I think for me, that's what I'm looking forward to a lot as well is the blend of that. Um, and I'm I just feel like if they don't do it again uh, quickly enough. Or enough times, I think this show will be really divisive for fans. I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to just be like, "Well, it's not Star Wars enough for me." Um, and that's, you know, what if that's the case? Again, like you said, Kevin, you don't have to watch it. <laughs> there's, there's so much more Star Wars that is your Star Wars, uh, and that's okay. I already feel like by the time the fourth episode happens, there's already enough Star Wars in it, and they're dropping it more frequently. I, again, it's we're being introduced to the world of Star Wars that we were introduced for the first time back in the '70s type thing. So this is we're working up to that 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 look that we're all familiar with. So I love how again by episode four, you're already getting two or three more little Star Wars isms throughout the episode while you're continuing to learn more about this new story. So again, I, I feel like even in that sense, it's going to be a slow burn for it. So I have honestly no, no qualms with the series so far. I've loved these first four episodes and I cannot wait for more. Darcy, you kind of, you kind of hit it on the head, what I was thinking, but didn't know how to sort of say, and that's in those, in the first three episodes that, that most people are going to get introduced to this week. It is very much its own version of star Wars. But again, once you get through that that introductory movie, like we've we've almost been calling it today, and get into that fourth episode, then you really do get those flavors of a bit more familiar uh, familiarity, especially with you know the introduction of 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 a little bit more of the imperial side of things. Um, and I mean these uniforms that these the these these members of um, are are they're wearing? It, it's very uh, thrawny, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm I'm. You know, like I, that's all I could think, and I'm not even a big Thrawn guy, but even I was getting those vibes, and it's like, wow, I'm just so intrigued by the end of that four episode to see where things might play in and what they might tease us with. Um, so yeah, I just think you know, really shifting into not just looking at the first three, but these first four episodes 
by the end of that fourth episode, it is just like, holy shit, I want more of this. I want more of it now. I can't wait to see where they're going with this. The story they've set up for for Cassian is so exciting. I think it's going to be so much fun to see. Uh, yeah, they, they've just done so much to sort of really set us up for for this 12-episode season. Um, you know, I, I think these scores that we're going to give the, uh, the premiere here is, are going to be pretty high. Um, but uh, let's find out exactly what they'll be. Uh, so today we're going to be giving our scores for the first four episodes of Andor on a scale of one to five Imperial credits. As Just as you're saying, Kevin, this is very much a buildup. This is a buildup, and it's a slow buildup, um, but it's I, I, I really think it'll be worth it. The, the first three episodes, as we said, serve as a great arc and introduction to our key players, and the fourth one does just as much of that in one episode than the first, you know, just like the first three. Absolutely. Um, and with even more characters. And the pacing, again, won't be for everyone. I think there will be a divide in the fandom. But this series, for myself, has me really excited for a shift in genre for Star Wars. This is very much the spy thriller that was promised. And, and that's what's so exciting is that we're getting... You know, different. We've seen Marvel play with different genres, and I've kept saying I want Star Wars to play with different genres. This is Star Wars playing with different genres. So if it if it falters a little bit here and there with pacing or or in certain moments, I'm kind of a little more willing to forgive it because it's their first time really branching out and really pushing for something different. I think Tony Gilroy was the absolute right choice for this. Um, I think it's it's mature Star Wars that I've been looking for, and I'm intrigued to get back to that feeling that was established in Rogue One. Um, getting to see the good and bad on both sides of this conflict is something that I think general Star Wars has only lightly touched upon. So I'm happy that we're going to get 22 episodes to see this story unfold. I'm giving this series uh, the first four episodes of Andor. It's If you had asked me after the third episode, I probably would have been in anywhere between like a 3, 5, and a 4. But after that fourth episode, I'm all the way at a 4.5 out of 5 Imperial credits, my guy. It is, it is. Nice. It's really good. It's That fourth episode is really good. <laughs> It's really good. I agree. I agree. Dark, tell me yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've again, I've only had positive things to say about these first four episodes. I've loved the series so far, and I'm really excited to see again more of Andor himself, and then all these characters they've introduced in that last episode, and like the stories behind them that we're starting to get. I am immediately wanting more. Just like I remember watching Game of Thrones, where you can't wait for the next week to come out to see how or where the story goes next, and I'm getting that same feeling with this show. Uh, Again, I, I, I'm with you guys saying that the strategy of the one, two, three release must be watched in a full thing because, like Kevin, I didn't do that myself. So after the first episode, I was very confused. I took a day or two and I still couldn't really think what was going on. So that, I think, is the only flaw is that they broke up the first three so that they could be potentially stopped at an almost inopportune time, in my opinion. So, uh, the first four episodes, with that in mind, I'll be giving a 4.7 out of 5 Imperial credits because, again, so unique, so fresh, and I loved every second of it. Uh, I totally agree with you guys. Uh, you know, we've, we've said so much here, so I'll keep this as, as brief as I can. Um, I think while this is the least Star Wars show we've ever seen, show, movie, anything like that, it's maybe the best wow. Star Wars we've ever seen just from these four episodes the writing the way it's crafted the the focus on character and character development and really slowly building up a plot that 
you know, maybe on paper wouldn't seem all that intriguing or even exciting, but when you're when you're slowly having it build up around you as you're getting into these first four episodes, I just couldn't believe how fully engaged I was. And that's especially coming from someone, you know, I've said it so many times, I don't like prequels because I, I, I know where things are going to go. Yeah. But I think what story they're telling here won't have anything to do with even Rogue One. And that's exciting for me. This isn't just going to be a huge long buildup to, to the start of the movie Rogue One. This is its own story that we don't know what's going to happen. And like as much as by episode four I'm fully engaged, I still really don't know what's going to happen, what they're doing, and where all these characters are going to go. And that is so exciting. Uh, so yeah, it, this might be the the best crafted Star Wars, at least in a long, long time. It won't be for everybody, but I think for fans looking for something a little bit different from their Star Wars, this is exactly what the franchise has been looking for for a very long time, and that is super exciting. So yeah, I'm going to go right around with you, Darcy. I might even go a little higher. I'm going to go 4.8 oh! out of 5 Imperial credits. And for I'll say a prequel it, no, series. But I'll, yeah, but I'll say it right now. If the show can maintain even just where it is now, and I think it's only going to get better i honestly do just from seeing trailers and knowing what we've seen and what we haven't seen in these first four episodes this is this is already building up to a five out of five show hands down no problem i'm so excited to see it get there and i really do hope people take our advice go out watch those first three episodes together as one single event it really is an event it is a movie and it will get you amped up for the rest of this season for sure Alrighty, well, uh, that is it for our spoiler-free review for the first four episodes of Andor. Uh, the first three are coming to you on Disney Plus on September 21st. Again, a huge thanks to Disney Plus Canada for letting us get the early peek on these so we could gush and, and share all of our positive <laughs> thoughts with you ahead of time. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show and let us know if you're excited for Andor or even if you watch it and want to let us know what you thought about the series, uh, well, you can reach us at weirdgeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's a little bit too imperial for you and you'd rather rebel... Join our fight on Twitter at GeekCentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other great episodes for you to enjoy, including a recent interview with some of the cast from Andor itself. Mm -hmm. Nate and Justin had the chance to chat with Kyle Soler, Denise Goff, Genevieve O'Reilly, and Adria Arjona. Mm -hmm. uh, those interviews are available for you to watch on our YouTube channel. That's at uh, YouTube.com slash GeekCentric or to listen to on the podcast feeds. They're awesome. Um... These 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 actors bring so much to these roles and to this show, and so it's really cool to see them sort of gush about how excited they are for everyone to get a, a chance to see this show. Uh, but speaking of the YouTube channel, we have more interviews with some of the biggest talents behind lots of the things we love, like our interview with Alan Silvestri and Glenn Ballard, uh, the maestros behind the music of Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have our interview with Larry the Cable Guy. Nate gets her done, uh, and that was a <laughs> lot of fun. And our interview with Kat Coiro and Jessica Gao, uh, the, the brilliant minds behind She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Mm -hmm. All of these interviews are available for you on the YouTube channel to enjoy. Uh, there's even a playlist for you to uh, just click on and run through them all. Uh, we've got tons of interviews from the last six months or so, so go check those out uh, and get to uh, get get a little behind the geek and uh, see some some of the, the the faces playing some characters you've grown to love over the last little while. On our podcast, we have uh, new watch clubs starting up for Andor later this week, so stay tuned for that. We also have our ongoing watch club for She-Hulk Attorney at Law. 
Those Watch Club episodes drop every Friday. Uh, and finally, we also have our weekly show, This Week in Geek, where we cover the latest news and trailers and everything else happening in the Geekiverse. Now, there won't be an episode this week because we've been getting ready to bring you all of this and or related goodness. However, we did drop three episodes last week covering all the news and highlights from the D23 Expo in California. We break down the announcements from the animation side to the all-new MCU and Star Wars content. Plus, we talk about all of the changes coming to the parks. So be sure to check those out and leave a five-star review if you don't mind. But until next time, gentlemen, thanks for joining me. And thanks to you for tuning in to listen to us. Uh, now, gents, as we sign off, let's remind our wonderful listeners why we do this. For, for the, the greater, greater good. good.